Welcome to Bunta Vista. This is a bonus episode. My name is Andrew, and I am the host of a podcast called Bunta Vista. It's an irreverent look at the news, big and small. <laughs> Mostly small. As we look into events around the world, be it what the wacky people of the Netherlands are up to, uh, which portal in the hollow earth Bigfoot is currently travelling through today, <laughs> uh, which kind of mysterious substances people are sticking their finger in on the street and then deciding whether or not they should taste it, and many other segments. You'll simply have to tune in to one of the hundreds of episodes we'll probably end up doing in order to find out. Introducing for the very first time, uh, my co-host. He's a wonderful man. He's very funny. He's never been nervous in his life. And his name's Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. I'm here hosting a podcast. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited to see what uh, what news and current events we have um, uh, to, to look at. But I hope we don't skimp on the lighter side of things. Mm-hmm. Don't want it to be too serious. Yeah. The news that makes you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. That could be a slogan for us. Oof. Punta Vista, things that make you go, hmm. Mm. And of mm. course, that voice that you're hearing right now is none other than the very first female host of a podcast. That's crazy. Hmm. We can do anything these days. Breaking down barriers and breaking hearts. Oh, <laughs> You flatter me. <laughs> it's none other than our very own Lucy Valentine. Hi, Lucy. Hello, Andrew. How does, it feel to, how does it feel to be right here on what I am calling the cutting edge of media, the future of radio? It feels great. It's like a radio show, but it's not live. It's like a radio show, but you can pause it when you have to take a shit in case you feel uncomfortable doing that in front of the hosts. Yeah, yeah. which now I hope Lucy, that you do. Mm. One of my many buzzing bees and uh, what stories they tell, <laughs> mm. tell me that, and uh, I hope our listeners can uh, can believe this, your dad wrote a porno. <laughs> <laughs> I that try not crazy. to tell too many people about it, but it <laughs> just keeps coming up. That is a crazy thing to say. <laughs> now, that would be wild. That would be, be insane. Wild. That would be so crazy. Uh, actually, if, my, if I found out my dad wrote a porno, I would fucking freak out. Because that would be <laughs> yeah, so out of character negative? for him. He's <laughs> a really sex-negative guy. <laughs> I don't want to say that he's sex-negative. I want to say that he's extreme. No, no, are you sex-negative? Oh, reading me. your father's porno and going, Yuck. I th I think it would just be the shock of finding yeah. out that it had happened. Um, I I consider my father like uh, thoroughly publicly sex neutral. Yeah, you know, just um, smooth granite from the belly button down to the mid leg. Yeah, and that's uh, probably because he believes a lesson that I never learned and never internalized, and probably should have, which is. That it's simply nobody else's business. Yeah. Um, you know? And this is the first episode of the podcast, but I assume, Andrew, we'll be learning a little thing or two about what goes on in your sex life. <laughs> uh, yes. I will be describing the intercourse that I have with my wife. Um, Quite frequently and in some detail. Lot of detail. Too much detail. People will be writing in to ask me to stop. They will say things like, I muted the episode because I was so uncomfortable. And then as I was sitting in silence in my car, 30 minutes later, I remembered that, you know, I had had something on the radio prior and then they'll turn the sound back on and I will be right there still with it, you know? Yeah. I'll be describing sex like... Um, uh, you know when they do those movies where they're like, oh, this whole thing is one shot or yeah. or this whole movie is happening in real time, you know, minute by minute. So you're right there with the characters. That's how I'm going to describe all of my sex to you, the listener. I'm going to pretend to be really sex negative all the time whenever the topic of sex comes up to yeah, uh, throw our listeners off the scent that. of <laughs> me being in any way a freak. <laughs> <laughs> So, I guess we're going to reestablish ourselves as a sex-negative podcast, and mm. when we do eventually introduce a fourth Mike, he will mm. be named Ben, and he'll be the horniest guy anyone's ever yeah. seen. 
damn, that guy is horny. Crazy horny. Wild horny. A little uncomfortable around him. Big so boner. talking about it. 22 hours a day. Constant. You know? Kind of threatening the way he lords that thing over me. And you know, sometimes I get threatening vibes when I look at the news and I see frightening things coming on the horizon. Dark stormy clouds that could only mean one thing. Omens and portents. You shall see hail fall from a clear sky and burn as fire upon the ground. You shall see darkness cover Egypt when the sun climbs high to noon. And you shall know that God is God. Bow down to his will. Just uh, opened a can. How did it explode? Hmm. Oh. Pretty good stuff. Nice. I choose to blame wife of the show, my wife, Eleanor, for buying... Let me see what it's called here. What is it? It's a can of... Moondog Fizzer. Oh, it's right there in the name, isn't it? Alcoholic seltzer, peach iced tea, alcoholic bubbly water with bursts of peach and black oh. tea. Now, I was going to ask why that beer came in a gay little can. Well, that's, there's your answer right there. <laughs> uh, and, you know, some of us might be saying, why was it so shaken up? Andrew, was it because you went to get some stuff out of the fridge earlier and you knocked one of the cans out onto the floor and then said, fuck, fucking... Too much stuff in the fridge. And then just pick the can up and put it back in with all the other cans. Maybe inadvertently pulling it out for yourself later on. Who could know? Who could say? One of the great mysteries of our age, I think. This comes to us from WBBH News. Anybody anyone think of a fun acronym for what that might stand for? Big, beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> women with big, beautiful honkers. Mm. Mm. Mm, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Mm. Everybody I think there's a, think there's a market that for, for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have Aphantasia, so. Oh, oh. You, can't, you can picture it or you can't? I can't. Which one is that? Oh, no. You can't conjure up two big heaving naturals in your I can, mind. I can kind of do the wireframe, but I can't texture it. No depth. I see no, that's a problem. No depth. Because when you're talking about big natties, it's what you're after, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Women with Big Beautiful Honkers News, Florida, Cape Corral kayaker finds message in a bottle with man's ashes on the water. So what was the message? I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the bottle. <laughs> Uh, I really like. If you're reading this, I am ashes. (laughs) (laughs) If you're reading this, the flesh fell off. Uh, I do like how this first sentence is written. It lets you know that this is a fun story. It does. (laughs) It's fun already. A Cape Coral man on on a Sunday kayaking trip with friends picked up something unexpected during his trip: an urn. I mean, they've crazy. You know, it's got a little exclamation mark. You know, yeah. we're about to have fun. This yeah. isn't a somber story. They got jaunty punctuation yeah. and everything for this. Uh, I don't let you use the exclamation mark when you work for the AP. That's one of the downsides. No, that's true. It w- I think if you went from like um, working at the AP or New York Times or something, and then uh, let's say a story went wrong, or or you had the like. Um, uh, a million little pieces thing where it turned out you'd just been hanging out in your apartment and making up all the stories. And then you got busted down to like Zoo Magazine or FHM yeah. or Nuts. It would have to be really freeing to be able to use as many exclamation marks as you wanted all through the whole article. To me, that's not a step down, but yeah. I appreciate the culture. Yeah. It's uh, really letting the caged bird free, you know? <laughs> Soaring on the mighty wings of saying, Norks! Exclamation, exclamation. The man found the bottle containing ashes, along with a note in Four Mile Cove in Cape Coral. Now he's hoping to find the man's family. Probably to say, hey, this is gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did you throw this in... in- Why did you do that? That's kind of funny. Well, it's a little bit funny. Why did you throw this into Anal Cove, you know? Quote, it was just kind of intertwined with the mangroves. Kind of looked like junk, said Jeff Zimmerman, who found a discarded bottle while kayaking 
Initially, he thought it was trash and grabbed it in an attempt to help clean up. Now, that's that's good behavior. Yeah, it's good, good behavior. Good I like behavior. that. I like Self-reported, that. though. It's true. You never know. Oh, I'm always picking up rubbish in the mangroves. I picked so. it up because I was going to put it in the bin. <laughs> yeah, not because I wanted to eat some ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Said Jeff. Like I wasn't going to eat them. Like a little brown nose. But on Sunday, the bottle he found hung up in the mangroves with a happy birthday balloon. <laughs> this just gets sillier and sillier. I'm choosing to link the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was much more than trash. It was someone's remains. Immediately, we realized that this is someone's internment vessel, he said. No one says that. Is it an I- urn or just a bottle? So like, like someone just dumped an urn in the ocean? The happy birthday balloon kind of makes me think of like those, um, you know, those roadside memorials. Hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think about those? Yeah. Like you, you can't tell someone that they're grieving wrong, but if you were to say it in the privacy of a podcast. You would say that they're grieving wrong. Keeping in <laughs> mind that this is freemium freebrary. <gasps> Putting it all out there publicly. I don't know, man. I come from Makaya. That's that's like a is that bread and butter up there. It, it's like, um, uh, like a, a can or something. It's um, it's, it's almost spiritual there. There's I don't a, like it. Plus Bro, don't of, make plus, me plus think a lot about of the people dying. Of life. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Because recently, um, I was. I was traveling uh, down like a main road near our place and then there, there had been like a roadside memorial thing there occasionally by this tree. And then one day it had been replaced with a really big one uh, that was like seven years since you have been gone. And it kept going, you know, like the writing on the guy's big hand in the Simpsons. Mm. And of course you're driving at 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah. You cannot get through the whole message in time. It's just a very, it's a very strange thing to me, but I guess that's a, I guess that's a very like white Westerner thing of being like, oh, how strange to grieve publicly. But when I think of that sort of thing, I'm thinking of like, uh, people at funerals who are like shrieking and wailing and like, you know, throwing themselves across the casket and stuff, which is like a a very different way of expressing your grief to us here. Hmm. The roadside memorial thing is like, oh, like uh, my grieving can happen while I'm not there. <laughs> it's sort of getting like a timeshare. <laughs> Take this on grieving there. offline. Just like the location where someone died too is just a. Yeah. I don't know. It's pulling away some of the magic of grieving for me. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's the association with like it was right here. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, you know, the the classic uh, graveside grieving is like, I'm here with you, uh, grieving the loss of you. Mm. Uh, whereas, like, the whole sort of going out and sticking something to the, the tree no, that someone crashed into when they I reckon we, we should do more of it. I reckon if you die in like a forklift accident in a warehouse, they should have to put a, like a little gravestone the down there and in the forklift. And every yeah, and now you have to go a, down once a year, put some stuff on the forklift. Yeah, and the guys just obstacle. have to keep driving it around. <laughs> out of oh. respect, though. Out of everybody's got to wear black high vis uh, for the rest of the month, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What are we doing again? Uh, urn, oh yeah, that's urn right. Fucking funny, urn in a swamp. If someone like found my urn in a swamp and brought it back, I mean, if it wasn't dead, them? I'd be so pissed off. You'll do a little light haunting. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, Ooh, I was enjoying being back. in the swamp. If I didn't uh, want to be in the swamp, I wouldn't be in the swamp. Well, that's either. exactly right. I can't wait to do some Let haunting. Let the dead rest. Do you think? Um, what kind of haunting? What kind of haunting vibe do you think you're going to be on, Lucy? Just like a just a trickster haunting vibe, you know, like a, a just vi- Ashton vibes. Kutcher punked kind of vibe, like just doing silly stuff. 
just knocking stuff over and like shaking the curtains around and stuff. Yeah, just stuff like that for fun. Okay. That's just just slowly eroding away someone's sense of uh, safety in like reality. Like the TV's like flickering off, and yeah, just every a so bit often of that. you're in the background in the curtains, sort of thing. Yeah, but I'm doing silly stuff. Like yeah. I'm I'm doing a little jazzy dance or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, this. The chandelier's flickering and shaking around, but you're one floor above there, like, doing the Charleston really hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be haunted by Johnny Knoxville. That'd be great. He's <laughs> just, like, swinging a sledgehammer around, going, hey, hey. Hey. Takes w- a big, big uh, wind-up, smashes himself in his little ghostly nuts. Hmm. Oh, man, I was reading about the, nice. uh, about the failed stunt where he broke his penis the other day. Yeah. Yeah, it was like trying to trying to backflip a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like landed directly on uh-huh. his dick. Pretty Which cool. is not what not what you want, I think. No one wants think, no one like, wants your like, stunt training. They're <laughs> like, you're gonna want to land on the dick. Yeah. Take all the weight or right on your dick. It's I, the um, safest way to land, bro. I watched the first episode or two of a show that I hadn't heard of uh, called Ghosts. That's a, a BBC show about a, a young couple who like inherits a big manor out in the English countryside, um, which is inhabited by a whole series of ghosts. But all of the ghosts are like from different time periods, uh, but still stuck in the house. Sorry, it's this fiction. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Hello, yes, right it, is, it is a comedy TV show. Okay. Oh. oh, boy. I was thinking this the other day. Like, why are ghosts always like Victorian era orphans? Like, why isn't a ghost like a guy from 2009? Oh, they've got like a ghost that's a caveman. Um, they've got like some Victorian ghosts. They've got um, they've got a ghost who's like an '80s business guy uh, who's just mm. walking around mm. in a suit and like socks and sus- sock suspenders and no pants. So I assume at some point that they're going to reveal that he died like fucking or jacking off. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm with Lucy though. I reckon we need someone that died in 2009. It's like take me to Sizzler. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, dude. It's not. It's not around. Just a guy in a neon slogan shirt with like <laughs> oh. those glasses that you can't see out of. Oh, like the 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 stunners. Yeah. The stunner shades. Oh, uh, imagine you know you're you're moving through your through your house late at night. You walk through the hallway and everything's dark and just hear the sweet sound oh. of LMFAO. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you you hear that you hear the haunting sound of a child singing a Fallout Boy song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. <laughs> Playing music from the old times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this guy realized that he had picked up someone's internment vessel. I don't think anyone has ever said those two words mm. together before. Um, maybe someone who organizes like funeral conventions. That's the only person who's ever saying internment yeah, vessel. like on the session time or whatever. Yep. It's, uh, oh, the latest in internment vessel technology, you know? Yeah. A jar. Inside the poorly sealed plastic bottle, again, that doesn't really say internment vessel to me. That says, like, two liter Coke bottle. Yeah. Yeah, that's... At least shell out for, like, a PlayStation 4 or something. Hollow yeah. it out. A hollowed out PlayStation 4. Chuck your ashes ashes in there. Dump in the ocean. Um, I wonder what kind of funnel they use to get them into the bottle, you know? When I'm putting stuff back into a bottle, I need that funnel. You just gotta you just gotta pour it from the um correct the correct height. You you think you're freestyle pouring ashes into a two liter coke bottle? Oh, for sure. If you're good at pouring. Yeah, I think they know what they're doing. All right. You I reckon they've like, done this before. Some like TikTok hacks where you put the two mm. bits of tape over the big bucket that you're going for. It kind of makes a little little funnel. Mm-hmm. Once you're done, you just whip them off. Along with the ashes was a note. 
quote, It was a note from someone's family member. He really loved the water. His birthday was recently. Please return him to the water. Superman <laughs> said. I don't know why this is a story. I Like, why are you trying to find the family? Put him back in the fucking water. Yeah. He Just made his go, request. Oh, that's why I had his little birthday balloon. That's cute. Yeah. The note should have said, mind your own business. Yeah. You know? I love the ocean. When I die, please turn me into litter. <laughs> I like. <laughs> please let me kill a fish with my death. <laughs> Put one of those really, cane rings around me. Yeah, I really like that they haven't just scattered his ashes into the ocean, which is the yeah. normal normal yeah. thing to do with someone who loves the ocean, you know? Instead, it's like, what if we put you in some plastic and chucked you in there to bob around? Yeah, my my son really loved electronics, so we've thrown him in the water with a big old car battery. Goddamn. It said the man's birthday was on February the 5th, and that he had died of lung cancer. But instead of putting the bottle back where it would become waterlogged, he kept it. Come on, man. My friends and I put this bottle in our kayaks. He continued on our journey with us throughout the day, Zimmerman said. Now, Zimmerman is hoping the fan's family reaches out in the hopes of helping give the man a more permanent vessel. Just fucking do it yourself. You do it don't... Yourself. Like, how, how hard is it to just go and get a better bottle, get a nice airtight bottle, seal up the fucking... Like, get a bit of sealant or glue or whatever, seal up the neck of the thing... Toss him back out there. Go on your way. I feel like he wants to make this about him. Yeah. He is. Your brother went on a kayaking trip with us. He went with a couple of guys from Cape Coral. And we'd like to preserve this and let other people adventure with him. You gonna pass him around? Can I just pass this guy around? Put him back on the balloon, bro. I would hate that. I would hate hearing that after I died, I went on a kayaking trip with some a couple of guys from Cape Coral. I would have hated that. Two guys named Chad and Vincent, mm. you know, and you got to cruise around with them. They spend the whole time talking about how sad it is that uh, Tom Brady retired, <laughs> you know? Yep. you got to just listen to it the whole time. Got to listen to them say they're going to crack open a couple of brewskis. <laughs> oh, hand me another Miller Lite, mm. they would say. They would. Uh, look, the man wanted to be in nature, you know? Didn't we all? To be in nature where he belongs. Go back to the mothership. Go back to Mother Nature. Be back inside the earth. Uh, I personally would like to be turned into ashes and then just kind of chucked wherever. Yeah. really matter. I wouldn't really care. Like, like the wind's going to blow no matter where you're being thrown, right? I got to say... It would be so funny if someone... You know what? Based off this thought, I'm revising my claims. I'm going to put it in my will that I would like to be... Uh, like I would like my ashes to be scattered from like a high cliff top. Because I think it would be very funny for someone from your family to tip the ashes out and for the wind to immediately kick it right back into oh, the Oh, that face. happens. That's what happens when we scattered my granddad's ashes oh, off a cliff no. at the beach. I thought Not that was to th- me personally. I it happened to my mum. that's just a thing that happened to, in like fucking <gasps> oh, Seth oh, Rogen movies does. or whatever. It absolutely does. Uh, imagine getting a little taste of it. No. Mm. Oh, boy. Part of, I mean, part of that's his prostate. That's true. That's true. <laughs> On a statistical level, <laughs> some of those some of those ashes belong to his balls. <laughs> a micros- yeah, on a microscopic level, the, the, the yeah. tiniest bit of that was foreskin. Yeah, a small amount is desiccated. <laughs> granddad cum, and <laughs> you never know whose granddad's cum is out there because someone could have just scattered ashes yeah. at any time, I, I mean, any like, place, any beach. I, you're I've at? got like three or four atoms in me that is Julius Caesar's cum. For example, mm. you might. Yeah, just walking. If you're ever walking around like I near a cliff it. at the beach, and you think, "Oh, my hay fever is really acting up," you probably you know what's happened to you. You've inhaled a little bit of dead man's cum. That's what happened. We should have more fun with this. To be perfectly honest, we should die, and then just like, I don't know, strap, like get a whole bunch of the recently departed. And strap them on the sides and front and back of like demolition derby cars. Ooh. Yeah, 
and just go wild. Like blast them out like that colorful smoke that they have at the yeah. bloody summer nets or whatever. Yeah. I get like um, a funny card and do a big burnout on my head. I don't give yeah. a shit. I'm dead. What about getting a, a really big fireworks display done? And you know how like yes, you know how a, a coordinated fireworks display will like build to a crescendo with like the, mm. they save the big one for the end. Take out a little bit of that gunpowder. Pop me in there. Welcome to Bunta Vista's Freemium Free Brewery. All month long, we're giving you, the disgusting public, access to our premium patron-only episodes. That's right, not one, but two episodes a week. And if you get hooked on your bi-weekly dose of a filthy drug called podcast, you can become a patron with access to our full catalogue of over 300 episodes at patreon.com slash Vista. You can quit anytime you want. Podcasts sound addictive and we can't be held responsible. Everyone's a winner during freemium freebrewery. Vaporized over the crowd, you know? Yeah. Now that's beautiful. Uh, that would be a true return to nature. Yeah. Being spread around everywhere. And so perhaps we should check in on a little segment we like to call Nature Corner. Uh, just to be clear, we like to call the segment Nature Corner because that is the name of the segment. This week on Nature Corner, a large bull... Sorry, this is from the Associated Press. A large bull moose spent more than an hour stomping on the sled dog team of a rookie Iditarod musher in the wilds of Alaska last week, and the attack didn't end, even after Bridget Watkins emptied her gun into the animal. <laughs> That's a sentence. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine anything being buried after this lead. I think oh, they've goodness. pretty much covered it. Apart from the <laughs> I think we're done. sled dogs. She said on Facebook Friday that the moose, after seriously injuring four of her dogs, wouldn't leave and that the ordeal stopped only after she called friends for help and one showed up with a larger caliber gun and killed the moose. Oh, my God. Moose this, are horrifying. Yeah. This guy was serious. Quote, this has been the most horrific past 24 hours of my life, she posted. After the Thursday moose attack on the Salcha River trail system near Fairbanks. Watkins wrote that the attack, first reported by the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, happened while she was on a 52-mile training run for the nearly 1,000-mile Iditarod Trail sled dog race. It starts March 5th in Anchorage. What's up with the human spirit, anyway? You know? What's up with that? I don't like it. You don't. You don't need to. Like nobody needs to ride no. a, a sled a thousand miles through the snow, getting pulled by dogs. Yeah, I see people like transcending their body. You know, having the human spirit, just like becoming one of the greats, one of the champions. And I just think, fuck. Oh, looks like a lot of work. Yeah, I'm tired just thinking about it. Mm. Couldn't be me. That's Could, what I'm couldn't be me. I look My at back people... hurts too much to do any of that, but. Looking at people, you know, pushing themselves further than they ever have before, uh, exceeding their own wildest expectations of themselves and what the human being is possible of, and thinking, no thanks. No, done with that. Watkins wrote that the attack... I've done that bit. Done that paragraph. Ben, cut that bad boy out. Go fuck yourself. Quote, as he charged me, I emptied my gun into him and he never stopped, she wrote on Facebook. I ran for my life and prayed I was fast enough to not be killed in that moment. He trampled the team and then turned for us. Oh, my goodness. Watkins, who didn't immediately respond to messages Tuesday to the Associated Press, said she and a friend who was traveling on a snowmobile took refuge next to the vehicle. The moose stopped its charge toward them about two feet from the snowmobile, and she managed to cut free six dogs that were tied to the machine. 
but the moose went back to her sled and began stomping the dogs that were still tethered to it. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Standing over the dogs and trampling them repeatedly for over an hour. He hated these dogs. Like, that's a vendetta. Like, what is the issue that you had with these dogs, sir? I want to be trampled for, like, two seconds, three seconds max. An hour is far too long. An hour? Yeah. Unless you're Carolyn Polachek. (laughs) (laughs) Stomping on me for anywhere up to an hour. Long legs raining down upon me. Apparently, you should should say 5-4. So legs five, are, three. Five, five three, wasn't it? I don't believe that. I don't. I do not believe that Caroline Polachek is five. Yeah, three. I think someone's got it out for her. It's fake news. They're trying to, they're it's trying to bring news. her down just because she's Polish. <sighs> Quote: I've never felt so helpless in my life. Watkins wrote. He would not leave us alone, and he even stood over top of the team, refusing to retreat. She called friends, and the moose was shot and killed after one arrived with a rifle. Alaska State Troopers have been preparing a helicopter to respond, but stopped doing so after they were told the moose was dead. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> what were they doing Just with like the helicopter? Just like leaning out with a fucking M60. They were um they were still back at the office doing paper scissors rock over who was going to go and fill the jerry can with fuel for the helicopter. And then they got the call, and then they all kinda had that physical energy of when, like, um, you go to dinner with your parents and you act like you're going to pay and you kind of oh, sort yeah, of reach, yeah. it, you reach your or head reach towards... reach into the helicopter you, keys or yeah, whatever you got. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, like like you're going to get your wallet. Yeah. But yet somehow, even though it's so close, your hand just never gets there. You just can't you know? get to it. Mm. Uh, what I, what I want to know is how small was her gun and how big was the gun that eventually... Yeah. Demolish what's, the beast. What's the what's the gap between the calories? Yeah, here, you know. What I want to know is why are you making dogs pull you on a sled? That's yeah, a, that's a ridiculous also weird. activity that I yeah. didn't think was real. Dogs should like. Dogs should sleep in a bed with me. Yeah. <laughs> they should get little kisses on the forehead. Yeah. They shouldn't be mm. pulling a sled. Dogs are for kissing your aunt on the mouth, not mm. for, you know, being our slaves. Like, just get a, get a snowmobile and have some, like, let your dog sleep by the fire at home. Mm. Take them in home. the snowmobile. They deserve to be in there. And then maybe they won't be getting trampled by a moose. Yep. You see a moose and you can just be like, oh, better skedaddle. Yep. You know? I don't think people fear moose enough. No. They I should be as feared as the bear. Week. Somehow the episode, yeah, you, you weren't on last week's episode, but I feel like we also covered... Um, just how much you should be terrified of a moose. Yeah. Mm. Very scary. Her four injured dogs were taken to a veterinarian in the nearby community of North Pole. Huh? Mm. Uh? What? What? Who's their vet? Santa Claus. (laughs) Santa Claus. (laughs) Are you serious? Serious? Is there vet Santa Claus? Is there vet Santa Claus? I'm 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 dropping my copy of uh, dropping my copy of the Associated Press printed edition. Is there vet Santa Claus? Spitting out your coffee. <laughs> what? Watkins, a native of Arkansas who moved to Alaska when she was five, is no stranger to mushing or its dangers. Her father and stepmother are well-known mushers, Alan Moore and Elise Zirkel. Oh, the, the uh, Alan Moore and Louise Zirkel? Well, let me tell you right now, not the Alan Moore. Okay. <laughs> Imagine if it was, though. Imagine if he had a whole other life as a sled dog musher that he just didn't want to share with anyone. You That's know? what it's a musher. You're Mush. saying musher as though you've used this word before and it has meaning to you. Well, you know how they stand on the back and they go, mush, mush. That's, I'm guessing that's where right, it comes from. sure. Probably sounds better than like whipper. Probably. It's like how you say jockey instead of guy who beats the shit out of the horse. In the 2016 Itinerod, Zirkel 
That's the mother. And four-time winner Jeff King were attacked by a man on a snowmobile near the community <laughs> of Mulatto. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? Yeah, we know all about the uh, the dangers of moshing. Okay, so so bear with me through, like, these three sentences, okay? First one, we've already had it. Zirkel and four-time winner Jeff King were attacked by a man on a snowmobile near the community of Nulato. Second sentence. One dog on King's team was killed and two others were injured. Third sentence. Another famous tale of a musher's run-in with an angry moose. Happened yeah. in 1985, I did a rod, when the late Susan Butcher came across one while she was leading the race. How do we go from attacked by a moose to attacked by a man on the snowmobile who killed one of your dogs? Yeah, what did, what form seem did this attack Casually take? back to moose. Like, Another is this relevant story. to the moose attacks? My goodness. Like I said, just saying, it's a wild, it's a wild world out there for the mushers amongst us, you know? Susan Butcher used her axe and a parka to fight off the moose. Oh my god. But it killed two of her dogs and injured 13 others. How many dogs you got? That's greedy. That's crazy. You got too many dogs, but also... What's this moose's problem? Yeah. They're just like coming in like a bloodborne boss. Yeah. Just a killing machine for no reason. Not going to eat those dogs. You really need, like, 15 dogs or whatever, I guess? Yeah, that's the other fucked up thing, is there's, like, 20 dogs pulling you. Just walk. Yep. Just walk, buddy. It's fine. Yeah, get them. Roast them. Yeah. This is a roast of mushes. Maybe put put one of those, put a little sleeveless jacket on the dog and help him stay warm. Yeah, maybe get him a little coat and you could carry him. Now we're talking. So I'm reading about the guy that attacked... Uh, hold these... on, hold on. Lucy, imagine mm. a crew of 20 humans pulling the cutest dog that you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. That would be so cute. <laughs> and all he's the just humans chilling out. Got their he's dicks so chilling. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> well, well, now, okay. We're <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. So apparently this guy got, um, got blackout drunk um, and just like kept making runs at them on his snowmobile. So I think he like ran over one of the dogs and stuff on his Man Moshing is This is like uh, Wild West shit Like you're out there You're being attacked by bandits Um, There are like animals that we would Classify as lesser demons In an earlier time Just like stomping you with AOE attacks I gotta say, um, snowmobiles, truly the jet ski of the snow, which in turn is the dirt bike of the ocean. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Watkins posted, uh, so, so she had to withdraw from the race after having multiple dogs run over by a psycho guy. Yeah, I think that for me would also do it for yeah. the race. Oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm so sorry. We're, we're actually back to the third moose attack. The second oh. moose attack. Hmm. Uh, I, I just really got thrown by the guy in the middle attacking people on his, on his uh, snow jet ski. Uh, so she used her axe in a parka to fight off the moose, killed two of her dogs, injured 13 others. Another musher came along and killed the moose. How many moose casualties do we have? from these races, you know? Uh, she had to withdraw from the race, but later won four I did a rod races. Butcher died in 2006 from leukemia at age 51. Watkins posted that she managed to start training with her dogs again on Monday and had advice after her moose encounter, quote, carry a bigger gun. Yeah. Oh, that will fix everything. I, I actually came up with that independently, <laughs> but, you know, good for you as well. <laughs> It's like, remember, um, remember, I don't know if it's still going to any degree, but do you remember in Australia, I feel like it was a handful of years ago now, when uh, all of, like, the shark panic was happening yeah. in the news? You know, like, a handful of people got bitten by sharks while they were in the shark zone. So, you're thinking this is the moose panic, Probably and they should get out of the moose enclosure. 
I guess I guess I'm just saying that the reaction to that was like people people were fucking crazy. They were like, "We want a shark cull. We want helicopters flying over everywhere and just plugging any sharks that they yeah. see." And it's kind of like you're sort of in their zone. Yeah. Can we get a castle doctrine for sharks, you know? Like you're you're out there where they are the natural predator. And you're splashing around looking like a seal and then you get a bite and you're like, how dare he? Yeah. You know? Mm. And that's that's kind of the vibes that this yeah. gives me of like, hey, what if I um put together a team of 45 dogs and I had them all drag my ass out into one of the most remote and desolate and environmentally hostile parts of the world. And then when I bump into some of the animals where that's just where they live... Yeah, and my dogs are just going nuts at this point, fucking barking and snarling yep, and yep. all that shit. I mean, I think they, they bark, like, the whole time they're running as well, but... Yeah, so, you like know, a car just backfiring, but making, for animal cruelty. Making tons of aggressive noise with all your dogs, and then the moose goes, Hey, get out of my territory, and you're like, I had better fucking air hole this guy yeah how dare he how well, dare he last time i tried to air hole one and it didn't work so this time i've brought back a bigger gun <laughs> that's the issue that yeah. my gun wasn't big enough it's just an issue of caliber mm. just get out of there stay out of there you know meat meat from the moose that attacked watkins and her dogs was donated to charity excuse me so they like, like they for air, like they cancer the patients, moose, and then they just said, <laughs> "Do you like a skin graft?" <laughs> like catching catching jaws and then making fish tacos out of him on the boardwalk, you know. Imagine that's like, good quality. You'd pay yeah. for that. That's killer some, moose meat. Sell some raffle tickets. You're the guy that wins the uh, the meat raffle, and it's just four tons of, <laughs> of moose <laughs> meat. Moose meat. Do you reckon it's any good? Is it just like venison? Probably. How many trips I'm going to make? <laughs> well, that certainly does sound like one of uh, the least efficient possible ways to travel. Moving very slowly across the ice, uh, being hindered at every turn by a psychopath on a jet ski or a very large agitated moose uh, that's killing some of your precious resources as you go. Mm. One of the most efficient ways to travel, in terms of speed, not environmentally speaking, is via a plane. Lucy, get ready. It's time for a little bit of plainly speaking. Ah, uh, this is your captain speaking. Please return your seats to their upright positions as we are coming in hot on another edition of Plainly Speaking. Plainly speaking, this is the segment where we talk about, you'll never guess what, planes. It's the first time we've done an episode of this podcast, so everyone's going to be very surprised. Yeah. It's, w- it's weird that a bonus episode would be the first episode, isn't it? Yeah. It's well, pretty we weird, but hey, much- we're doing things differently. We've got that, that much trust in our product as well. Yeah. yeah. So this has been previously discussed in the bonus episode, Yo quiero my fucking money. <laughs> 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 we got to uh, stop laughing at our titles. We sound like fucking dickheads. <laughs> From General Aviation News, laser strike breaks dangerous record. Oh, sorry. Laser strikes break dangerous record. It kind of makes it sound like it was one special laser strike when yeah, I say like it incorrectly. Yeah, like the worst laser strike yeah. of all time. Like one. you're doing a trick shot laser strike. <laughs> <laughs> Take down 30 planes with one laser strike. <laughs> That's... That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The guys, the guys from Dude Perfect doing a video where one of them like throws a laser behind their back and takes out a 747. Uh, I thought I was out of the business, but I'm coming back for <laughs> the biggest strike of all. Dangerous laser strikes topped all previous records in 2021, according to officials with the FAA. They report that the FAA received 9,723 reports from pilots last year, a 41% increase over That's 2020. A lot. Shining a laser in an aircraft is a serious safety threat, agency officials said, noting that many types of high-powered lasers can incapacitate pilots. Whew. Pilots have reported 
244 injuries since the FAA injuries. began recording data on laser strikes in 2010. Well, I think added. in the uh, in the episode, the previous episode, Yoki Ero, my fucking money, uh, I covered the time that um, I don't know whether he wanted to hit me in the eye or not, but my dad got me in the eye with, a, with <laughs> I, one of I those. I remember because I laughed so hard when you <laughs> described him shooting you in the eye with a laser uh, accompanied by the sound effect. Meow. Wow. Wow. Uh, and it, it, fuck, it, it sucks a big one, I'm telling you. Getting hit in, in the eye with a laser. Got some itchy corneas going on there. Oh, you know, it just, it just like, it just throbbed for like a week straight. And I'm assuming that that was like your standard, um, I work in an office type of pen laser pointer, right? No, no, it was, um, it was one of those, um, uh, laser squares. For doing like tiling and stuff. Oh yeah, oh. okay. But I don't, I don't think that they are particularly powerful. They're just like a, a like a normal ass red consumer laser. But not good, not enjoyable. Not that's what good. I'm hearing. No, hmm. um, they they really mean it when they say don't don't shine this in your eye. Mm. They really You're mean it when they say. Trust me on that. Hey, cut that out. You know. Shining a laser in an aircraft is a serious safety threat, agency officials said, noting that many types of high-powered lasers can incapacitate pilots. I'm doing it again. Ben, cut that out. Go fuck yourself. I already read that twice. God damn it. People who shine lasers at aircraft face fines of up to $11,000 per violation and up to $30,800 for multiple laser incidents. <laughs> but what you got to ask is, am I getting $11,000 yeah. worth of fun? <laughs> you got to, and look, I can't answer that question for you. You've just got to kind yeah. of look within yourself to understand that. That's like fare evading on the train. It's like, how many times can you get away with <laughs> it that'll make the fine worth it? Yeah, when they when they say, "Ah, oh, you've been charged eleven thousand dollars," and you go, "Oh, well, actually, that's only like two hundred dollars yeah. a pilot yeah, per, <laughs> per pilot," and they go, "What?" <laughs> Um, um, you say, well, that's what's uh, legally known as satire. So, <laughs> just uh, you know, sitting on the sitting on the bleachers in the prison yard, uh, watching the the Aryan Brotherhood play basketball. Guy next to you turns and says, "What are you in for?" Multiple laser incidents. Wow. But you're but you're also staring up um, at the plane going overhead. And really just understanding as a metaphor for the freedom that you've lost. Like, mm. I could be striking that plane with a laser right now. <laughs> <laughs> every, every, every plane that goes by without me hitting it with a laser <laughs> is another, another day of freedom I've been denied, you know? Oh, God. Every pilot that listens to this show, I assume there's like three or four statistically, just like canceling. <laughs> this isn't funny. This isn't funny. It's a serious issue. The FAA reports that it has issued $120,000 in fines for laser strikes in 2021. Now, Lucy, mm. you have been getting flying lessons, correct? Mm, I have. You are, well, you know, you, you have I'm the most the... pilot, professional pilot on this podcast. That's true. I was going to say, first, first ever female podcast host, well on your way to being the first ever female pilot. And for that, That's we applaud true. you. Thank you. We salute you. So, um... You know, you've you've been flying in uh, small prop planes, mm. uh, so you are one of the people who is most at risk here because you, I assume, yeah. you're travelling at relatively low altitudes. That's right. That's right. It's risky. It's a serious business. Okay, so luckily, uh, Ben has provided an article from Flying Magazine on what you should do if you encounter this type of nefarious behaviour. Oh yeah. It says, you're most likely to be affected by laser strikes at low altitudes, in critical phases of flight, and at night. No thanks. Even without visual incapacitation, it can be very distracting, stealing your attention when you need it the most. Yeah. Is that a laser doing the cat thing on the, on the roof of the cockpit? The last thing you want to do is overreact. One thing you can do to minimize the effect of a laser strike is to ensure that your aircraft is always trimmed for the particular phase of flight. How does mm -hmm. one trim an aircraft, Lucy? So the trim is where there's like a little wheel in the middle of the plane that kind of keeps it level. 
It keeps everything in the right spot so you can stay at that that right phase of your flight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just sorry. I've just searched for trim in, in, the, in the meantime. <laughs> Here it uh, okay. says uh, trim. Pussy, usually good. <laughs> <laughs> so, some diverging opinions. Yeah. Okay, so try to try to keep in some good pussy while flying the plane. <laughs> uh, so, that stability will mean that even if you're distracted for a brief moment, the airplane should maintain its altitude. And that's good, yeah. Mm. Unless you're flying a 737 Supermax. Hmm. Yeah. Preemptively, you want to ensure that you have a clean aircraft windscreen before departure because an imperfect or unclean windscreen can cause the laser light to spread out, creating a glare that can temporarily obscure all vision inside the cockpit. So, really, it's your fault if you get lasered. You know, you should have cleaned your windscreen better. You should have had it trimmed. Going all all Jordan Peterson on people who've been shot down by lasers. Yep. If you you seek to criticize the laser shiners... Clean up your own <laughs> cockpit first. <laughs> uh, if you are about to land, be prepared as practically as possible to execute a go-around to give your vision time to reacclimate to the environment. You might need to avert your eyes to the instrument panel and use the gauges or glass to assist you in positioning the aircraft in the proper altitude for the go-around. It does say proper attitude. I'm sorry. Attitude means different at altitude. Unbelievable yeah. that you would make this mistake. Yeah. They, they look kind of similar as words, though. They sure do. They uh, should really get different words. We should uh, contact the FAA, say how silly it is. Yeah, can you make these two words uh, less of a similar shape, please? Yeah. Put an X into one of them. <laughs> <laughs> make sure your plane's at the right zatitude. Once you're out of the affected environment, you may experience the visual effects of flash blindness, after image, or glare. According to Dr. Nakagarawawa... Oh. Ben, Ben, cut that out. Go fuck yourself. According to Dr. Nakagawara at the Civil Aerospace Medical Institute. Apologies from the show to the good doctor. Quote, the severity of these visual effects can vary greatly among pilots. Factors such as age and existing eye condition can prolong the recovery time for normal vision after a laser event. Some pilots can even experience a temporary total loss of vision. No, thank you. Lucy, do you wear your glasses when you're flying? I do not wear my glasses when I'm flying because I, I don't have I don't have near or far sightedness. I've just got the I've got the useless glasses that just my eyes get tired when I'm gaming. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's my kind of glasses. Uh, although, although, yeah, I've, I've I don't know if I need to go get a new new prescription or whatever. But boy, have I been finding in the evenings if I'm like. Looking at the TV and I don't have my glasses on. Yeah, my I've been eyes, really my eyes go, fucking forget this. I feel like I'm doing like my mum's face when she looks at a telephone. You <laughs> like, really pull it back. The eyes go like really squinty. Elna got uh, an updated prescription for her glasses. And she was like, wow, it's like everything's in HD. Although before she got glasses several years ago, um, at some point, you know when like, you find out something about, yeah. say, a woman that you've been married to for a long time that you didn't know, and you go, mm. huh. And this one for me was when she was like, oh, I can't read the stuff up on the menu at McDonald's behind the person at the counter. And I was and you're like, like, oh, you need glasses? <laughs> I was like, what? That is like six feet away from you. Yeah. That, and it's big. Like that's, and you're just walking around like this, huh? Driving the car and stuff. I, I wasn't that bad, but was, I mean, I was much the same. I couldn't read the, um, like, you know, you look down an aisle and they've got the tags down the aisle and they tell you what oh, the, yeah. mm. uh, you know, various sort of things do. I read like the first one. And then from there, it's just like, it just hurts too much to look at. And I just assume that's just normal. Like, I, I always assumed I was kind of operating at the edge of human ability. Ah, right. Um, and just go, well, no one could possibly read those words down there um, until I until I was pissed drunk one day and I decided to wear a mate's glasses. <laughs> I'm like, oh. 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 Yeah. That's how I figured out that I needed to wear glasses Whoopsie was by doopsie. being drunk and putting on my friend's glasses. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, no. Oh. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The uh, the best and cheapest way to get your eyes tested. Get very drunk. Try on everybody's glasses. Yeah. Start popping them on. See what feels good. You know. Have a little glasses party. The important thing for you to do at this moment of being shot in the eyes with a big laser is to intentionally maintain a scan of the environment using your peripheral vision and break the sky up into segments to help with focus. Oh, that's very handy information. If you can get a safe cruising altitude and maintain level flight, that will hopefully give your eyes time to recover. And with the help of ATC, you can be resequenced for landing. What, uh, oh, does that mean air traffic control? Air traffic control. Mm. I got it. I'm basically a pilot. You are. What else can you do? Here's the FAA's official suggestions. Anticipate. (laughs) When operating in a known or suspected laser environment. Is there known laser places? Like if you'd learn to fly at a certain school, you'd just told that it's like it's a laser place. That's very funny. That's... The only known or suspected laser environment I'm aware of are like the local laser tag venues. And that's yeah. basically it. Uh, the non-flying pilots should be prepared to take control of the aircraft. Aviate. Hmm. A bit broad? Uh, yeah, a bit broad given the context. <laughs> Check aircraft configuration and if available, consider engaging the autopilot to maintain the established flight path. Is that, is that available to you? Or? That is not available to me. <laughs> Absolutely oh. not. Oh, they didn't put autopilot into they didn't put Cessnas autopilot or whatever? In a Cessna Skyhawk? Yep. Navigate. Use the fuselage of the aircraft to block the laser beam by climbing or Ooh, turning away. I like that one. Evasive maneuvers. Yeah, doing an evasive maneuver. You will never get me with that laser. Communicate. Inform air traffic control that there is a laser hmm. bastard on the loose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Include location slash direction of the beam, your present location, altitude, etc. Yeah. Somebody so what you're get that do guy. Is hit the button on the radio and go, "Ow, oh, fuck my eyes!" <laughs> <laughs> Once on the ground, request and complete a laser beam exposure questionnaire. Jesus Christ! Provided by air traffic control. I'm just going to say right now, if you fly a plane, uh, I think you should request and complete one of those every time you fly, even if it's just to say, no laser this time. No laser beams today. Uh, Lasers, zero. Illuminates. Turn up the cockpit lights to minimize any further illumination effects. Delegate. I I really hope that this is turning into like an acrostic word or something, you know, but instead it's... They're just fun words. You make a little song out of them, you know? Anticipate, aviate, navigate. There's too many steps. You could do a rap song out of this, I think. You could, and somebody Mm. should. If another crew member has avoided exposure, consider handing over control to them. Attenuate. Shield your eyes when possible. Hand, clipboard, visor, etc. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Just fly fly with your hand over your eyes at all times. No, see, I, I think you need to hear this next part, Lucy. Yeah. Do not look directly at the laser beam. Wow. And avoid drawing other crew members' attention <laughs> to the beam. Hey, you guys seeing that laser beam? <laughs> you seeing this? <laughs> Some crazy down there. Doing the, uh, doing the Trump staring into the eclipse face. <laughs> Everybody's, don't look at the laser. God, every time I see a bit of video of him, I'm like, all the I'm white listening. nationalism was really bad, but some of the some of the words were funny. Yeah, you know, some of the behavior. My yeah, goodness. I, yeah, I, I do. I the do. Same thing. Yeah, at like, on some level, I do miss having just the world's biggest dolt as also the world's most powerful man. Mm. I I think, alas. Not not just being a big dolt, but I think the other thing that um, probably made Trump stand out in such a memorable way was that he was just such a catty bitch. Like, that man could not stop himself from saying something really bitchy about anyone on the face of the earth. You know? The Pope. Like, yeah. <laughs> do that shit about anybody. It made him a real wild card, you know? Uh, do not exacerbate. No, you're stretching, yeah. You're really I pushing think. it. 
Uh, could you work it in the song? Anticipate, aviate, navigate and communicate, illuminate, delegate, attenuate, do not exacerbate. You're sitting there being laser beamed in the eyes in the plane and you're like, all right, got to remember my laser steps. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> start, start trying to think of like the eight verse song. And then you finally get to like, do not exacerbate. And you're like, oh, oh. I wasn't supposed to rub my eyes. I think what they mean is like when somebody shines a laser at you, it's like, don't escalate the situation. Yeah. You know, yeah. you should don't stay shine calm. another laser in your other <laughs> eye. <laughs> Do not exacerbate. Avoid rubbing of eyes and possibly inducing further injury. Will that injure my eyes if I've been injured with a laser beam? And then you start rubbing them? I don't know. Evaluate. If any visual symptoms persist after landing, get an examination by an eye doctor. Best kind of doctor wow. for this, I think. Unless you can find a laser doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this information has been extremely useful to you, the listener. Yeah, we're sort of an informative podcast. Uh, I, I've come up with a word for that, actually, where, where we like to give people a good time, we like to entertain them. But also, like you said, we're informative. I call it informatainment. That's good. That's really catchy. Mm. And we're giving this away for free in freemium freebrary. Freemium freebrary. Also another thing that just rolls off the tongue. This is the kind of information you could be getting week in, week out. That's right. Hey, Lucy, when you started doing your your, um, pilot stuff, Mm. did you request to fly um, that fucked up plane that kills a bunch of doctors? (laughs) (laughs) What? The Beechcraft. um, It's got a, instead of a vertical um, tail, it's got a a split... um, a split tail oh. on it. It goes like this. Okay. Um, and it, like, developed oh, yeah. a reputation for killing a bunch of doctors because doctors <laughs> get in the seat of it and they go, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm really smart. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. And then they and they die in a, in a fiery mass. And, like... Oh, my God. Like- I, just, I just put uh, beach, <laughs> Beechcraft into Google. Yeah. yeah. And then I started to type... Doctor, D- D- doctor. Yeah. And it says Doctor Killer. Yeah, if you just Google the Doctor Killer. Uh, Forktail Doctor Killer. Yeah. It rules. And also, like, there's no reason for the tail to be like that. They make two versions of it. Uh, one just has a slightly higher <laughs> probability of killing you. What the fuck? Why is it? It's got a V-shaped tail. Yeah. Oh, God damn. And it's just like a thing that they were just trying out for, for several, I don't know how that would several work. Several Decades. The Beechcraft Bonanza. Yeah. Alrighty. That's uh, a wild thing to call it. Uh, The V-Craft gained a reputation as the fork-tailed doctor killer due to crashes by (laughs) overconfident wealthy amateur pilots, fatal accidents, and... In-flight breakups. That's such a that's that's like the fuselage cracking in half, right? Yeah. God damn, that's. It's still being produced. It has been yeah. in continuous production longer than any other aircraft in history. So I but guess people decided the doctor killings kind of worth it. They don't. They don't make it with the. Um, they don't make it with the V tail anymore. Ah. Um, apart from it being not like that great of a design in the first place. Pilot error was cited in seventy three percent of V tail crashes right. and eighty three percent of conventional tail crashes, with aircraft related causes accounting for fifteen percent and eleven percent of crashes. So it was actually more deaths or more yeah. deaths by pilot error in the conventional tail. Well, yeah, because the other one would just kill you for no reason. I yeah, think. I guess so. <laughs> wow! My goodness! Uh, th- <laughs> I like this one. Uh, unusually high incidence of gear up landings because <laughs> the switch was in a weird spot. Oh boy! <laughs> That's um yeah. Apparently, apparently it was the V-tail structure. In the late 1980s, repeated V-tail structural failures prompted the United States Department of Transportation and the FAA to conduct extensive wind tunnel and flight tests, which proved that the V-tail did not meet type certification standards under certain conditions. And and that's so funny because they were making it for like 40 years and clearly at some point they had to go, huh, turns out these uh, V-tail planes we make kill a lot of people, but we like making them. Um, you know, it's a snappy name. 
The Beechcraft Bonanza. It makes oh, you want to buy it. Yeah. Oh, no. Most <laughs> VTAL failures involved flight under visual flight rules into instrument meteoro meteorological conditions, flight into thunderstorms, or airframe icing. <laughs> These seem like very basic errors that you probably shouldn't do in a small plane. Despite these issues, many Bonanza 35 owners insist that the aircraft is reasonably safe. <laughs> Just why would you buy an aircraft? Well, it's not like you get a like product failure and you hop online and you leave a one-star review. Because at some point the plane broke up along with your body like oh. 14,000 feet above the earth. Oh, Buddy Holly died in a Beechcraft Bonanza. <laughs> it was that plane. They that was a Beechcraft Bonanza. They killed, killed Buddy, Buddy Holly. Holly. <laughs> Oh, 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 I got killed like Buddy Holly. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, uh, <laughs> folks, if you're going to get your flying lessons, maybe don't do it in a Beechcraft Bonanza. That is just some of the very valuable informatainment in inform inform that you've received uh, in this free bonus episode. During freemium free brewery. Thanks very much for joining us, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye bye. 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 bye.